This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my co host and friend, and we say the same thing every single time, <laughs> Laura Spath. You got to come up with something. You do love it. consistency, though, Judy. <laughs> I know, it's so true. I know. And I think I just start the way that you say it. Just, I bet you if people listened to the very first episode, we were not saying that. And then one day you said it, and then we just started saying the same thing over and over. I, hey, it works out. <laughs> I know. So I'm so excited for you to share with the community some of your good news. Um, I quit my job, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, I, I don't, so I haven't really talked about this anywhere on social media. It's just kind of a weird thing, obviously. Um, you know about my corporate. I still work a full time corporate job, um, and I have been with the same company now for the last twelve years. Um, I was in corporate training for them for a really long time, and in the last three or four years, I've just been doing a lot of different things, kind of like whatever they're asking me to do, you know, you do, and it's a career. And long story short, I live in Phoenix because of this job. I was living in Chicago and like 11 years ago, they offered me a job in Phoenix. I was, you know, had no kids at the time. I wasn't married. I thought like, well, I'll just move to Phoenix. No big deal. And ended up here. And then now their corporate headquarters is in Colorado. And so for the last couple of years, the requirement to move to Colorado has been kind of hanging over our family. Um, and really like every new job opportunity that I've gotten with them, they really push for the whole Colorado thing. I mean, Judy, you know, I've kind of call you stressing about it a lot. And, you know, Chris, I actually met Chris at this company too. And my brother works here. He's in Indiana and he works for them as well. But We've known like their corporate headquarters is in Colorado. So we figured eventually we would always end up in Colorado, but the requirement for us to move kind of started literally right after we bought our house <laughs> right. um, at the end of 2020. And then just because of COVID and everything, I was able to delay it and push it off. And really like if you sell your house within less than two years of when you buy it, you pay tons of penalties in capital gains taxes and you lose a lot of that. It would have just been really expensive. So we were kind of pushing it off. And then to be honest, like we thought we were going to move to Colorado. Like everything has just been centered around us moving to Colorado for my job. But the now she's going to become a full-time influencer. No, no, this is not that announcement. No, I, mama got a new job. Okay. Like this, this, we're going to explain what you've been trying to get me to do for a while. But, um, we, you know, like I just didn't, but the economy is crazy right now. We know that inflation is nuts. Meat prices are nuts. Um, the housing market is still nuts. Like we just bought our house a year and a half ago and it's already gone up in value quite a bit, but 
the interest rates have also skyrocketed most recently. So we were still going to move like Colorado is more expensive than Arizona. We were still going to sell our house, move, even with the loss of profits and everything. But the last few months, the interest rates have just skyrocketed. And so it's not only that we're moving to a more expensive market, we would be losing a lot of the value, the equity that we have in our house, but we also would be having this like massive interest rate hike which just then at the end of the day is just not even an option. Like, I mean, real estate yeah. market and the economy in general are just crazy right now. Um, and supposedly the interest rate is supposed to go up even more. So, yeah. And I think sense. like everybody thinks like, I don't, I don't know who knows. I don't know if a, if a housing crash is coming. I certainly don't think that a crash is coming. We know housing prices are really high because of just there's, you know, with the interest rates being low, there was a huge demand People are relocating out of certain states. There is a big demand. You know, people, lumber prices are up. Like people can't build houses fast enough. The interest rates were so low that everybody was buying and selling and all these things. But now the interest rates have just gone up where that's just not really an option anymore. And so I don't know. I've just been kind of in a little bit of a panic mode as our family for like the last couple of years, but the last six months especially just because we had this ultimatum of like when I had to move to Colorado or I was going to lose my job. Um, so you and I actually discussed a lot of different options of like what I could do or what we could do as a family. And, you know, we, we couldn't share this in on this platform because I mean, it's Laura's job. And in case anybody from the company <laughs> that she worked for listens, it, you know, they would know what her, I guess, yeah. struggles were about moving. And so we just would talk about it behind the scenes, but I was really proud of Laura because she was really stressed. And I think she's kind of come, comes off always cool, casual. But the thing is, she was really stressed. And there was a lot of what should I do? And as the solo breadwinner, it was a lot for her to handle. And but the thing is, she never turned to her old vices. And I was mm -hmm. so proud of her for that. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this I think we've hinted at a couple of times, like just how stressed I've been, but like truly the last 18 months and really the last, you know, eight months, especially have been some of the most stressful of my life. Uh, it's really just been kind of the hardest season of my life, I guess, if that makes sense. Like there's been more stressful events. Chris almost died. Like we've had moments where that's happened, but just this tremendous amount of pressure that I have, feel like I've been under and stress. It is our decision as a family for Chris to be a stay at home dad obviously he is more than willing and capable of going back to work. We've talked about this. It's something he's willing to do. And he's, you know, I don't ever want to make that like, this is not my responsibility. It is our responsibility as a couple and as a family, but it's also been the decision that we've made of like what we want for our kids. We could both work, you know, high paying jobs and have a different lifestyle. And that would be easy to do too. But like, this is also why we couldn't didn't want to move to Colorado because we could have moved to Colorado, put our kids in full-time school with full-time aftercare. Chris could have gotten a job and we could have very easily afforded that life there. And I could have continued on with my corporate career. And five years from now, I'd be, you know, in a, it's just, I mean, it's just a crazy you and you and I relate to this so much because you were on this like high corporate executive trajectory as yeah. well. And so it, I think that's what it is. Just being under this type of pressure and not letting myself get out of control with food is probably like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And just like, I'm proud of myself. I know you, you tell me all the time, <laughs> but it has truly been, I've been shifting my mindset a lot. And on this podcast and everything that I talk about, you've almost seen, and I didn't realize it until this huge weight has been lifted off of me recently but you've seen a switch in me of just talking about so much one day at a time. Sometimes you just got to make it through today. Like we have to figure out the balance of realistic. Like I can't worry about being perfect anymore. And it truly has been because the last nine months, especially I have been hanging on by the, my fingertips of just trying to not let myself go off the rails and try to not let myself use food to deal with my stress and with what's going on and carbs and sugar. And most days for the last year or so, it has been truly me saying like, I just have to make it through today. Like whatever's happening in my job, in my life, this pressure that I'm under this, how am I supposed to provide for my family? How are we going to not lose everything we have? Just, just make it through today has truly been the mindset that I have needed to stay on track, which is why it's kind of been like everything that I've been preaching for the last, you know, six months. 
And I love it so much because now that you've been through such a hard season and have overcome it and have still been an advocate of the diet and you see the benefits of it, right? You're not at the end of this hardship, which everyone eventually gets out of something, no matter the good or bad of it, you get out of it eventually, right? This too shall pass. And you're not like a hundred pounds heavier, right? Now you're at your best. Now you realize you have this mental fortitude. And now you know that really anything that comes your way that while it gets hard and it's normal for hardships to come in our life, that you can overcome and you could really achieve anything. And that food is actually, while in the moment, it seems so tempting to use as comfort and um, even as escape, it's never the answer because look at how much you've gone through and you are now way better for it for not struggling with those demons, if you want to call it that. And that's, that's what I meant by, I'm so proud of you for everything, because it could have been so easy to just say, Oh, I'll just dabble a little bit, because I've been through a hard day, or I, I'm having a hard moment. And instead, you knew that that wasn't the answer from all the journeys that you've been on through diet and wellness. Well, it's definitely because I've done it the wrong way every single other time in my life. When Chris was in the hospital or even just in 2020, I had been carnivore for you know almost two years by that point. And we all went through a stressful situation in 2020 and I gained a tremendous amount of weight. Um, and just knowing that like I can't do that again, it was too hard to regain control every single time that's ever happened and even being carnivore. And knowing the, all the right things, I knew all the right things. And in 2020, I still gained a ton of weight. And then having to just knowing that like literally one bite right now is going to be a total downward spiral for me. Sure. It would be this, I would have gained, I could have easily gained hundred pounds in the last six months so easily. And I would have felt justified in it saying like, I'm stressed. I can't handle it right now, which is why I, I have been more strict in the last six months with no snacking, no emotional eating, no nothing, no, not one bite of anything because I knew I could not handle it. Um, and not, you know, like we, we've talked in a few episodes about like how terrible my sleep has been in the last few months and like what a mess I've been as far as sleep and stress goes. And like, obviously that's all kind of why I get, you know, yeah, this, this stress, your travel, the new jobs or the new positions within your job, the yeah. consideration of if you're moving, uprooting your family. I mean, lots of those things absolutely affect your sleep. So I don't think it was just you're not eating enough fat right. or it's the timing of your meals. There's always lifestyle factors to that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, the, I found a new job, which is, this is not me. Like as much as Judy and I have debated, like figuring out how could I make this work? Should I write out an ebook? Should I do (laughs) coaching groups? Like, what should I do? Should I do like YouTube full-time? Like, listen, this is not going to happen. I, as much as that probably would be possible, like I need stability and consistency and I really love working. And I like this idea of like, you know, working a corporate job and a normal job. And so it's just being a full-time creator is not really in the cards. I think, I think it's, it's different too, like, because the goal of, of our family for Chris to be stay home, like right away. And, you know, there's no like build up period. I don't know. Maybe it's that, pre- maybe I don't want that pressure anymore. Maybe I just want to get a paycheck every and work a normal schedule. <laughs> so I found a new job. I'm so excited. I think this is the encouragement that I want to give people to like, when you are stuck in a situation that is stressful for you. And like, I've loved this company that I've been at for the last 12 years. I've learned so much here. It's been everything to me. Um, but the last several years I was doing what they wanted me to do and not what I was passionate in. And I was doing it because I felt this need to provide for my family, to further my career, to, to do, you know, to work the job that I was supposed to do and just to kind of like be the good corporate employee. And so as I was looking for new jobs, I fully expected to take a pay cut to go back into something that I love doing. I wanted to go back into corporate training and really do more with like leadership development where I've really developed a passion for building strong, cohesive teams and helping to bring out the best in people in this corporate environment. And so I figured I was going to have to take a pay cut to do that, uh, which is why I've held held back for so long uh, from doing it. But the short version is I found a new company. Um, I'm so excited. I start there a couple of days, actually, by the time this episode comes out, I would have been like two days into my new job. So maybe I'll check my stories. You can see how that's going by that point. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited. I think too, like 
doing the interview process, meeting who's going to be my new boss. Like I'm just so excited to work for somebody that inspires me and to do this type of work again, to get back into this role. And, you know, this company, when they offered me the job, they called and they were like, Hey, I know this is what you were asking for your, for your pay, but we actually um, are going to pay you more than that because we want to start everybody the same. And so it's like, I have been so scared to leave this, what I know this job that I'm familiar with, something that's stable. And so even though this is, I'm going into another corporate job, it's not this risk of me doing full-time content creation or anything. It still has been this huge risk to go and leave something that you're familiar with because you're afraid you can't find anything better. Or I think I've been convincing myself for a long time that I don't deserve anything better or that I'm not capable of getting another good job that like somehow I've accidentally made it up this career ladder because I've been here so long and I would never find anything better if I left a different company. So I'm taking a, I've been like, I have an extremely high level title right now at my current job. And I'm going back to what's cons- my, in, in terms of title, I'm taking a huge downgrade, I guess, when you look at just what my title is and on paper and on a resume, it looks like I'm taking this huge backward step in my career, but first of all, they're going to pay me more. So like, okay, who cares? And then second of all, now I have this career trajectory in front of me, hopefully, where I can be in a field and an environment that I love and work hard at it and then have career progression in something that I want to do and not something that I think that I'm required to do. Like I've been in doing marketing, like affiliate marketing for the last nine months or whatever. Like I have no idea. Like this is just not a world that I come from. It's been so stressful trying to like figure out this whole entire new type of corporate world. I don't know if it's all very crazy, but I'm just so excited to get back into training development to be paid a wage that I can support my family doing something that I love. And then now I can have this like huge weight that's been lifted off of me. And then I feel like now I can do this kind of social media stuff on the side. This is now I go back to only doing things that are fun. I mean, this is what I've always done. But you and I talked a lot of the reason why I don't didn't want to do this full time is I felt like just based on the type of content that I create, I would end up like pushing stuff that I don't believe in. I think people can't. You do it. You have a very different model than what I would do. Right. But so you're able to completely stick to, you know, with your clients, helping people, driving products, like all those things. But in the world that I'm in. I felt like I would end up pushing things that I didn't believe in because I'd have to pay for my life, you know, like pay my mortgage or like support my family. And so I just want to be able to only do what I want to do in this space from like a truly, I want to help people and share and hold myself accountable aspect. And then now I have like my real job to pay my bills. (laughs) There's no pressure. That's honorable and admirable. I, I, totally get it. And I think that if you even if you decided to do influencing, or as a content creator full time, I know you could do and be very successful. I mean, you show it even as a part timer doing it. So there's no worry with that. But I can understand that hesitation. And that's fair. And I support you with everything you want, even with the corporate job. And I, you know, we've talked about that offline as well about just some of that achievement. And I fully understand that. I mean, just the other day, one of my associates now is the partner at our consulting firm. And I couldn't help but feel that like little tug at my heart of I should have been a partner by now too. But you know, I I wouldn't change what I do. But I definitely feel that little bit of bittersweetness to that. The real big thing I want like you, Laura, to hear, but also the people listening is that of everything you just shared, there's like two really big things to take away. It's one, it's we try to live in our safe bubbles, our places that we feel comfort and that um, maybe it's becomes complacent that maybe the day to day is kind of boring. Maybe it's not super fun, but it's safe. And we want to stay in that because it's what we know. It's the town we live in. It's the things we do, but we can always do more. And I think this job whether it's not just a lateral move, or if you want to call it a downward move, I don't think that it is. But the fact that you are getting to do more of what you're passionate about and make more money. And, and the best part is that you get to come to Austin occasionally. Um, All of these things are awesome. And, and you still get to live the lifestyle that you and Chris wanted for your family and educate your kids the way you are. And you had to step beyond your fear of leaving this company that you've been with for 12 years. So one, you overcame a fear and then you realize, oh, that's all it was. It was a fear and it wasn't. Yeah. 
anything that was beyond your abilities. And then secondly, with the whole struggles with you would have coped with food or something else, like now you know it's humanly possible. And now you know any other adverse things that come in life, you can get past the food. And every time you go through these moments and you don't struggle with food, it becomes a little bit easier. And now you know when you share those words with the community that legitimately you know that people can get past food, even though it seems like, no, this food addiction is forever. Well, you just went through it and you went through one of the hardest times and you didn't lean on food at all. And that is, I mean, really a testimony that people can heal no matter how ill they are with their relationship with food. And I think we're so afraid sometimes, like you said, of just leaving something and whether it's a relationship or a job or just letting go of something that's not good for us anymore. And I'm certainly not going to speak bad about a company that's like supported my family for 12 years and just, you know, taught me so much. I've had amazing mentors and an amazing career, but it wasn't the right place for me anymore. And it hasn't been for several years because it's just one baby step at a time. I have gotten so far away from like what I'm passionate and what I'm good at and like what gives me joy and what, what I bring value to. Like I wasn't bringing value to them as a company anymore, like I used to be. And so it wasn't a good situation for them or me, but both of us were hanging on because we were comfortable and we were kind of like, they needed me. And and I felt like I needed something. And so just because something was right for you in the past, just because you could handle this food or because you had a friendship that was your, this is your best friend, somebody that's been there for you for your entire life. Like that might be a toxic relationship right now. It might not be good for you anymore. We grow and we change as a person and we have to make sure that our circumstances and our relationships are evolving You know, Chris and I talk all the time about how he and I are both two completely different people than when we met. And obviously we've worked very hard to make sure that we're growing together. We're growing stronger, but like, it's very possible that like, if one of us had grown and the other one haven't, we would have a very different relationship than we do now. And so we've, we've worked very hard to kind of grow together in our relationship and our marriage. But, but, you know, I've talked about this before. I have friends that are just those are not good relationships for me anymore. And those friendships come and go over time because I'm a very different person right now. And I, uh, I think we need different things in our lives. And for me, that's, you know, this job is me kind of embracing where I am now and like what I need. And, and I want to provide value to somebody again. And I'm very excited to be able to do that. Yeah, it's exciting. And they always say that if you're not growing, then you're basically slowly dying, you know, or whatever the thing is. But <laughs> yeah, I, I do believe that if you are stagnant, and you're complacent, I mean, there is so much you could do with your life. And that's why I push my clients and I push the people that are listening to this, you, we can always do more and be more and achieve more. And it's not about just all the finer things in life. It's not even that it's just, if you don't feel that your life is where you want it to be, then then fight for better because we can always achieve better. And it doesn't mean it's easy, but it does mean it's possible. And that's the overarching thing that I really wanted to bring up with this exciting job change that now I get to see Laura more often, but you know, really it's a, it's a good, good story to share. I think it's so cool. Yeah. And you need, you need people in your life that are going to help make you stronger. You and I talk about this a lot, but you need friends who are going to push you to be your best self. You know, in my locals challenge group this month, a lot of people are giving up alcohol And, um, they're realizing that like they have friends in their life who they don't know how to interact with without alcohol anymore. We're like, they're always going out for drinks on Friday nights. They're always having these weekends where they're drinking and like, they're like without drinking, like, I don't know how to interact with this person anymore. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's okay to take a break from that. If you seriously can't find common ground with somebody without the alcohol and you realize the alcohol is causing you a problem and you need to cut it out. Like maybe that's a person that you need to take a break from and just see, what your life is and your relationship with them is like, if you cut out, if it truly just based on the alcohol um, and, and that or not. So I think it's just kind of a time to reevaluate like who and what in your life is bringing you up versus who's holding you back and, and making you a version of yourself that you just don't want to be anymore. Um, one of my old best friends mentioned to me that she thinks of relationships as like these stepping stones and some people will be there for a long time and the stone will be really large and some people will be really small stones. And it's not that any of these people are just not as good or anything like that, but it's just, there was a period in their in your life that 
they were supposed to be there for you to learn a lesson or for you to experience something. But then as you grow, if, if it's not meant to be, it'll just kind of fizzle out. And, and, and that's okay. It's not like you dislike that person. It's just that was their role in your life for that time. And, and hopefully you've blessed their life at that time too. And, and you just continue. And that's the evolving of people. And I think it's very normal, but as humans with attachment and that just love and affinity of the past and how the past is always greener than it is now, we hold on to relationships and um, events and things because we remember the good old days, but it's, it's not always the best thing to hold on. I'm not saying to just keep evolving and cut out people. I don't think that either, but it's finding that fine balance and being honest with the relationships in your life to say, are we really pushing ourselves to be our best? And if we're not, can we do things to improve? And if this relationship is not even a place that we can have this conversation, then maybe it's not good for right now. And that doesn't mean forever else um, right. or in the future, but maybe just for not right now. Yeah. The, the stepping stones analogy just makes me think of like, I'm just climbing over people to get to the top, which is terrible. But like, I, to- I know what you're saying. It's more just like, I, and you and I have had this conversation, like we grow and we have to evolve and, um, I think we have to not be afraid to let go of some of those things. But, you know, the other point that we've mentioned was just be, the fact that I haven't gained 50 pounds in the last couple of months um, is really just, I'm shocked. It shocks me every day. And it's really just been all I've been hanging on to. And it's like, I'm super proud of myself, you know, and um, just because there's been no other time in my life where I haven't turned to food and it has not been a one day decision. It has not been a one-time decision. It's it's sometimes it's a minute by minute by minute decision to be able just to hang on there. And you know what? It's also been a lot harder emotionally because I can't just like sit on the couch at night and forget about my problems and eat a pint of ice cream every night. Like I used to, I have to like, it's been a lot more tears. I'm telling you though. Yeah. Or just a lot more stress and a lot more pressure. And maybe this is why I've had more sleepless nights because I'm up thinking about it and I'm not just like eating my feelings about it. And so it's, and maybe this is what's caused me to like make some hard decisions to move forward and stand strong into what's going on in my life because I'm not just like numbing things and going along with it Yes, yes. from the food. I'm addressing right. it. I mean, some people could have ended up struggling with the food at night at first they're using it as the escape of I don't want to deal with distress about the job or moving or things like that and instead they just start coping with ice cream maybe it leads to other foods and then they're full on binging and gaining all this weight and then what that validates to them just like I talked about in my talk at KetoCon but it it validates I am not good enough I am not worthy so I therefore should stay at this job and just be even happy that they're willing to accept me and then move to that other state and do whatever they want and if they tell me to bark I'll bark right that type of thing because the habitudes and then the food um, getting in your brain and causing brain fog the self-confidence just really diminishes and not once will people think it's the food, but they'll think it's something wrong with them. Yeah. And that's the potential like downward spiral. And yeah, I'm just very excited for this next chapter. I, I will say I had this conversation with Chris about, okay, so here, this is the other crazy thing. I've been at this job for 12 years. They've seen me have two kids gain a hundred pounds, lose a hundred pounds, gain <laughs> 70, lose 50. Like they have seen it all. One of my, you know, dearest coworkers, he gained pregnancy weight with me during both my pregnancies. He was like talking about gonna, he was gonna drive me to the hospital when I went to labor. We kept a tarp in his car <laughs> because, in case my water broke at work. Like, we just, these are, this is my family. I have grown up there. I've, you know, known most of these coworkers for well over a decade. And they've seen my, it's like my foods thing is like not a thing there. And so now I'm walking into this brand new job with all new coworkers. And I've been so like, okay, I talked to Chris and I was like, when do you think they're going to find out about like this world and carnivore? And he was like, oh, they already know hundred percent. He's like, you don't think somebody Googled you before they tried to hire you. And that was another thing, like applying for these jobs, I was telling Chris, like, what if they, they Google me? It gets really weird. You're going to see like YouTube and carnivore. And like, what if the hiring manager is a vegan or the recruiter is a vegan? Anyway, so I was having a conversation with my new boss and he was booking my travel to start my first week. And he was like, okay, we're going to do like a lunch or whatever. And then 
we've had no conversations about any of this. He was like, do you have any dietary restrictions that we want to be aware of for these meals? And I kind of just took a long pause and I was like, um, not really. And I was like, nothing that I expect you to accommodate. You know, I eat a certain way, but I'll bring a lot of my own food. So like, it's no big deal. I can do it. Like, I don't, I don't need you guys to accommodate anything. And he was like, okay, no problem. Like whatever you need, feel free to let us know. We can make sure to accommodate. And I, um, and I was like, no, I just do like a, you know, low carb thing. So I'll just bring some of my own food. And he was like, you know, I have seen your Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And like on the phone, I think I did like a, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, Oh, and he was like, yeah, I know everything. And I was like, okay, then also mind you, the day I'm having this phone call with him is the day that I decided like, Oh, let's show off my loose skin in, in my Instagram stories. And for some reason I decided like, Oh, let's pull up my shirt and show my, my flabby excess skin and have a conversation about my tummy tuck console or whatever. So the same day he's going like, yeah, I've seen your Instagram. It's all good. Like totally get it. You're a carnivore. <laughs> he's like, what do you have a podcast or something too? And I was like, yeah, you know, just, it's a little YouTube podcast, Instagram thing. <laughs> he's like, it's totally cool. He's like, actually, he was like, I would never have thought to look you up, but I was hiring you. And I called my wife that day to tell her I'm hiring somebody. And my wife said, you know, what's her name? And he said, I said, Laura, and he, she said, what's her last name? And he was like, why do you want to know? She was like, cause I'm going to Google her. We got to, before you hire this girl, we got to find out who she is online, <laughs> which is what I figured. Anyway. So he said his wife Googled me and was like, uh, you need to go look at all of this online. <laughs> so all this to say, I was hoping I could like fly under the radar and not be noticed at this new job for a while. But my, but the good news is he Googled me before he hired me. He saw all this stuff. He still hired me for this job. And then he said, like, totally, I saw your carnivore. I actually, like, already started researching. I'm going to take you to, like, the best barbecue place in town when you're there. Like, he's like, he doesn't live where they're having me travel for this first week. He's like, but I'm going to fly in just to take you out for meat, and then I'll fly back home. So, like, your first day I'll be there. I'll take you out to, like, an awesome barbecue place, and then I'll fly back home. So he's already very excited. And then he said... Um, you know, we have a vegan that's on the team. We have a vegetarian and then there's somebody else that just doesn't drink alcohol. So like we had all kinds of different people on the team. And I told him, I said, (laughs) here's the good news though. Like me and the vegan, you know, if you just order one meal, the two of us can split it. And I was like, I'll eat the, the steak. They can eat the vegetables and the salad. And then you're, it's like really saving the company money at this point. You're getting two for one as far as like ordering meals for me and the vegan. So it should, it should work out now. And now that I'm there to balance the team. That's so funny. And I bet you the social media actually benefit. I mean, as a trainer, he could see that you motivate people. So I think it would have been a plus. It's not like you're naked all the time and you know, showing crazy things. So I think it totally, I think your social media is totally fine. So. It was funny. It was literally that day I had put those pictures in my Instagram stories. And I even said like, I'm putting my skin pictures in stories and not on my main feed so that they disappear in 24 hours. So hopefully less coworkers will see it. And then he tells me this like three hours later, it was hilarious, but <laughs> so funny. I mean, obviously now they know, and at least I know that they know and we can move on. But if anything, it's, I mean, it's motivating for people. So if any of the vegan or vegetarians aren't feeling well, um, maybe they could hear your story. So I think it's a, it could be a positive. Yeah, we'll see. I was, well, anyway, it's crazy. Have your kid, I know your schools start early. Um, Have your kids started school and then what has happened? So I know before they were in the same school, are they now switching schools? Like what's going on with that? So we, we don't do traditional school, but in Arizona, traditional schools actually started on uh, July 20th. Like it's kind of almost like a year round thing. So, um, schools already are in like normal schools are already in full thing here. We do the micro school where normally it's kindergarten, first and second grade are like, they, my kids go to somebody's house for half days. Uh, it's like a homeschool, but like, we don't do the homeschooling. (laughs) Um, and so normally it's kindergarten, first and second grade, and then it's third, fourth and fifth in another school. We found a a woman actually in our specific neighborhood, like four blocks from us who, um, is going to take like a wider variety of grades. And so Penelope and Nathaniel are going to get to go and be in the same class. And it's like, they're going to be able to walk there from our house. Like it's going to be really awesome. So 
that's been a huge other thing, like us knowing, should we look for schools here? Do we have to think about Colorado schools? Like that's, you know, another piece that's been so crazy. So we are really beyond blessed and relieved to find somebody in our neighborhood who does this type of school. The kids can go together again. Like it's just everything has been working out the last couple of weeks. Everything has been really falling into place. We just feel this tremendous relief and calling that like, this is where we're supposed to be. You know, God has really been providing kind of the pieces, the ultimate, I had an ultimatum from my company to move as of August 1st. I'm starting my new job as of August 1st. Like it really is just this unbelievable timing um, that, that things have been kind of just falling into place exactly how they're supposed to be. And so I'm just very relieved and blessed and all the things, but yeah. No, and that's cool that I, I know you guys were worried if the timing would work out with the schoolings if they had to go to different schools. So that's yeah. awesome that now they get to go to the same school and just be together too. Yeah. What did you guys figure out um, for this year? Because you'll have, they'll be Aiden and Caleb will both be in the same school now, right? Yeah. So we decided to pull our kids out of the school, the specific school that Caleb was going to last year, which was just three days a week. And I really liked, I really still like the model. It's very Socratic thinking. It's student-led learning basically. And, um, but I didn't like the school itself for a variety of reasons, but there was just some things. And so we, we just started searching within that broader school system. And we found a different school that's a little bit closer to us. I don't like that it's five days a week, but they do not have any other options. And so, I mean, I could just voluntarily not send my kid to school. There's no homework. All the the teaching, the experience is still the same. The school is smaller. It's more focused on the, the oldest grade is middle school, whereas the other school, it's even up to high school and all the way down to preschool. Whereas this one, I think the ages go from maybe age four to maybe age 12. So it's my kids would be a central age, which I also yeah. like. Um, we'll see. It's a lot more expensive. So it's a very big decision we're making. And Kevin jokes all the time that it's more expensive than our mortgage, um, that he gets to, he has to forego a Lamborghini. And I have no idea how much that costs, but he'll say things like that. So he says, you kids have to turn out good or get, you know, buy <laughs> me one in the future. And I don't even think Kevin would buy a Lamborghini, but you know, it's, it's just, it just comes down to, you know what, that's what we're prioritizing our money with because I would never send my kids to public school at this point. We have a school five homes down um, and they're rated decently on scoring, but um, just, I don't believe in what they are teaching our children growing up. And so I think it's well worth um, the funds and the resources and the time to send them to this school. So I'm excited for it. Um, But, you know, things can always change, but I'm, I'm open to whatever will happen. Yeah. I love the element of mixed grades with kids. Um, we've looked for that as well, but when you were mentioning before, like kindergarten or preschool through high school, like that's, I want them to learn from kids older than younger than them. But when the situation you guys were in before just opens itself up to so many challenges. And so I love like a smaller, you know, most people that you interact with in your daily life are not the same age as you, especially like in a working environment. So I love being for kids to be able to learn how to include everybody no matter their specific age. But when you are looking at like high schoolers versus kindergartners, that's just a little bit of a stretch. Right. And since they all have recess together, they learn things that I don't want my kids to be exposed to. And it's, it's, it's been interesting and, and it's a lesson that I learned. And honestly, within that whole program, they have a Christian version of it. And that was the one I wanted to send them to. And, but it only starts at age eight. And so Aiden is not old enough And so, I mean, worst case is that we will transfer again and then they try that one. And that one's only three days a week too. So that was the one that we were kind of waiting for. But, um, you know, this is, hopefully the school works out. It seems really promising, but I know that things can always change and I'm flexible to that from this year that I've learned. Yeah. And I think I was, I used to care so much about giving my kids a consistent school situation because of like wanting them to have similar friends. And, you know, that's one of the downsides of this type of school model that we do is that we have to find a new house for them to go to like every year. And so they're, they've had a, you know, new group of friends or a new, new classmates every single year. And so it's like, is that, is that hurting them and not giving them consistency and helping them to grow up with the same kids? But first of all, they have friends that they've been friends with for years and years through church, through jujitsu. I mean, your kids, like they have friends that they see every week at church that they have been for, and they don't go to the same school. And 
they, you know, we're giving them socialization and consistency outside of school. They've been at their jujitsu now for a couple of years and hang out with these same kids every day. But in addition to that, like, I'm not friends with the, you know, kids I went to high school with and elementary school with Chris is, he's the crazy one who's like still best friends with all his high school buddies. But I think most of us, you know, it, it almost helps to teach them to make friends and like get along with lots of different people and be flexible in different circumstances. And I think they have each other too. So it's not like they're going into a brand new situation every year. Yeah, I think it's different because when normally people change schools and the kids, like if you have an army family, right, the you're also changing cities. And so the parents are also stressed with learning the ropes of where right. the, the supermarket is or like the new church or whatever. So there's a lot of stress within the family, but there's consistency. You're in the same house. You're in the same neighborhood you guys go to the same church and the BJJ is exactly the same. So it's just a little bit of one small factor. So I don't think it's that whole belief of, oh, they they don't have the same friends every year. I mean, when you go from preschool to elementary, your friends change a little bit, but everything else is the same. And so that's why it's not as stressful. And I think the fact that you're in the same city and everything else is consistent, the parents are not stressed. And so you can give the kids the attention when they're transitioning to a different home that they're learning from, I don't think they go through the same stress. Yeah. And if anything, we're giving them families and kids to their, like their closest consistent friends over time are ones whose families we align with. And like, we want to be around and we, you know, have people that are over to our house a lot. And like, they're just families that I love. And I want my kids learning from their kids versus like random kids at school. You don't know what your kids are going to come home and learn. And now I know that my kids are hanging out with you know, families where I trust what they're learning. And so that's right. All of this has been part of, I know for you, you guys have made huge decisions and sacrifices and changes in your life to be able to, you know, like you said, pay for this type of schooling. And for us, this is a huge reason why we didn't want to move where we could have afforded it. We could have figured it out or we could have downsized our house, but like, I don't want to take my kids away from this community. Like for the first time in my life, I feel like we have a community of families that I want my kids learning from. I I love their jujitsu studio. I love our church friends and like the people that were around. And it was feeling very selfish of me to say like, we're going to move because it's what's best for my career. And like, mom's got to make money and we got to move for this reason and take them away from this, you know, life that we've built here and this community of people that I want my kids to be surrounded by these people and to, you know, It does take a village to raise your kids. And I love the village that we have here in Arizona and you when you moved to Arizona. <laughs> anyway. No, no, I, I agree. I, I totally, it totally makes sense. And I'm not worried. I, every year the kids change classes and then they become close to their classmates. Even if they were close to a different classmate yeah. the year prior, it's, it, it's just normal human psychology, the social psychology uh, I remember a specific study showed that depending on where you live in your apartment and it, where there's like a stairwell, you will be closer to the neighbors that are either right next to you or right next to the stairwell that you go through because the exposure. And so with that, it's the same way that if you have a kid in your class, that's the person you're going to be close to in that specific year. So even if you go to the same school, that doesn't mean you'll be friends forever. It's just Human nature is to learn and grow, have stepping stones, which I thought was a lake, which I thought was consistent, by the way. Um, And I also, that's also why I push so much for like you and I spend, even though we live in different states, like we spend a lot of time together, like in person, you know, we both go out of our way to make sure that we can spend time together in real life. I love social media. I love the internet. It brings people together who are like-minded, but I think there's just this powerful element of being in person with people that you you really can't hide who you are in person. You are your real self. Like there's just no denying like the, you know, who people really are in person. And I think it's so important. You know, it's why we encourage these types of meetups. I'm excited too. like, like you said earlier, my job is going to fly me to Austin more often, but even still, like I try to, we try to spend time together in person a couple of times a year just to make sure that we're still getting that connection um, and finding ways to, to grow that relationship in person. So I think, I don't know what the point of that was, but I think that there's a, as much as you can have a sense of community on the internet, like who you surround yourself with in human contact on a daily basis is also extremely important. Yeah. I would argue it's more important than online because online, there's always a facade. There's always a 
not saying that it's not real. I believe connections can be real. And I've made some friends. I mean, I met you essentially through the internet, right? We tell everybody we met through match.com. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Friendfinder.com. <laughs> carnivore friend. Hey, we should make a carnivore friendfinder.com. <laughs> it's a new business. I, I, yeah, Judy. I, bet, I bet you it would do well. Uh, I know, but you have to quit your job first. <laughs> I know. See, if I would have quit my job, guys, this app is not happening because I didn't decide to be a full-time content creator. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think uh, the in-person, there's there, there's that one quote that says five minutes of play or an hour of play is far more than like knowing somebody for a year uh, through any other mode of communication. So I think it's super, super important. Yeah, I think too, like, I don't know, Big Brother is on right now, which is a, that's a reality TV show, Judy. It's a, pe- okay, people I who watch you TV. Meant Big Brother. No, no. <laughs> people who watch TV sometimes watch reality television. And in the summers, my guilty pleasure is a show called Big Brother. And they basically lock everybody in a house together for, it can be up to like 60, 90 days, depending on the season. And you're 24 seven in a house together. And like, there's been a lot of people, there's been more people that have gotten married from big brother than have gotten married from like the bachelor or something. Because oh, wow. imagine if sense. you were dating somebody, you might see them three, four hours a week. Okay. Maybe you're going on three dates a week. Maybe that's nine hours a week. Well, you just lived in a house with somebody for 24 seven with no phones, no TV, no outside contacts of any kind. And you're there for like a month, that month or two months, you know, people literally walk out of that house and then, I mean, not or people get married like years later or whatever, but you, just the, the amount of time that you can spend with somebody when you're in person versus like uh, full time and kind of never getting away from them like that. Like you can just get so much closer to people so much right. quicker when you have nothing to hide behind or there's just nothing, there's nothing else to distract you or to kind of be in between all that. You just get to know people so much faster um, than if you were just to like, meet a girlfriend for lunch once a month, you, you know, just to be able to spend a weekend with somebody. I think even if you have these amazing friends in your life that you're spending weekends with or spending lunches with occasionally, like go have a weekend where you just spend the whole time together and like, you're going to get so much closer and be able to connect, you know, in that way. Yes, I totally agree. Our shift when, because we were in New Mexico together, I didn't think anything of it when we were going to share a room together in uh, Boca. And then I remember Kevin saying, is that weird that you're sharing a room with Laura? And and then I was, oh, I didn't even think about that. And I was like, now I think it is weird. And, but you know, it was so normal. And if anything, like you said, it just made us a lot closer. And I like that we just got together by the end of the night or in the morning and just had a catch up time. It was nice. Yeah. And I'm listen, there is, you understand each other when you woke up in the middle of the night to like work on something you were passionate about, you know, all of a sudden it's like three in the morning. We told you guys this back in January, but we, I wake up at like three in the morning and Judy's like, I have to work on this presentation. This is it. I have to get it out. Like you just, there's just, you know, everything about somebody at that point. And even though, like you said, we'd spent a lot of time together in person before it was a whole different uh, connection that you can have when you're, when you truly connect like that. I don't know. Now it's getting weird. (laughs) Okay. So tell us Judy about your, you have another big life update. Yes. I doing my job. We've been talking too much about all that. So tell us about your huge project that you've been working on. Yeah. So when I wrote the carnivore cure, I was working on the reintroduction section and I realized that there is no right food for every single person to reintroduce. And that's when I committed that I would create a I guess like a database or just a resource where we would share what would be right to reintroduce per person. And I envisioned it to be like a document, maybe a, like, I don't know, like a little mini ebook. And then Kevin is all about user experience. And he's like, you are going to give this spreadsheet to people and tell them to flip through hundreds of pages. (laughs) And he's like, no, it needs to be an app or something. And so we worked with developers and we created this really, really powerful tool. And we named it Nutriment because Nutriment means either a source of nourishment or food or an agent that promotes growth or development. And I really think as a reintroduction, this will help people develop their way of eating. So what this tool really does is it considers, I think there's like 12 different diets. So think about uh, Whole30, Walls, histamine diets, gluten-free diets, GAPS diets, et cetera, even carnivore. And then there's all the sensitivity. So you can think about 
all the plant toxins, as well as like histamines, glycemic index, fructose, uric acid, these things that I also brought up before on this podcast. And you can basically turn things on and off and then find your perfect list of foods. So it could even be like, I don't want to do carnivore, it's too restrictive. So I know that, for example, I do well with the restrictions of Whole30. It's not as limiting as carnivore. But then I know that I'm also really sensitive to oxalates, phytates, and lectins. And so if we could remove all of those foods, what foods am I left with? And then this tool will spit out what will be beneficial for you. And then they rank it on it's avoid safe, moderate, and then I think there's like undecided because there's research that goes both ways. What I really like about this tool is it's not my opinion. Well, maybe carnivore diet is a little my opinion. But other than that, it's all based on peer reviewed papers, or it's on research studies on these certain anti nutrients or food sensitivities. Overarching, I think this information is really good for conflicting information in terms of nutritional permitting and allowing, you know, you see on the internet, there's so many food lists of these are the safe foods to eat. It's like, how do you know that's the safe food to eat for a thyroid person? How do you know they don't have a lectin sensitivity or an oxalate? So it goes down to that granular level. If you're struggling with the diet long term, so no matter what keto or carnivore version, you can't be consistent. Well, maybe you don't need a diet that's specific for you and you can turn on certain diets. And then if you are just ready to reintroduce foods, maybe this is the smartest way to reintroduce foods that you know for sure that foods that are high in flavonoids are not sensitive for you, then you turn on all those foods. And maybe those are the first veggies and plant foods that you introduce. Uh, What's really cool is we created this whole nutritional um, aspect of it. So every food has all the nutritional information. So it'll have all the calories, the protein, um, all the vitamins and minerals in it. And then we have a search feature on the nutritional deficiencies and excess. So you can search on different plants, meats on highest vitamin A foods, lowest vitamin A, highest foods in lysine and all the different things. And this is all again, based on the USDA database or other resources that we cite. It's very powerful. It There is a learning curve because there's so much information in it. But once you learn how to use it, I think it's super, super powerful. So this isn't necessarily like a carnivore tool. This would be a tool no. that really anybody could use. Yes. It would be an app where you could help identify the foods that you would be the most beneficial for you, um, the diet that would be the most beneficial for you. Maybe you have a mom or somebody with type 2 diabetes and you're trying to give them a list of foods. They don't want to go strict carnivore but you're trying to give them a list of foods that they could have. But then, you know, like you said, entering in all of their circumstances. So they also have Hashimoto's and they're dealing with inflammation. So you, this would spit out a list of foods that they could eat that would be helpful for them. Um, Maybe somebody has gut healing issues. Well, as they heal those issues, you can adjust the settings in the app. And then it would tell you like maybe what foods would be next that you could start reintroducing. Yeah. The tool is not based on illnesses because of person with Hashimoto's, we don't know exactly why they have Hashimoto's, but maybe you start with, because Hashimoto's is an autoimmune illness. So maybe you start with autoimmune paleo, which then allows for a lot of foods to still be included. That's not specific to carnivore. And then maybe with the food sensitivities, you know, for sure that with Hashimoto's that you're sensitive to lectin. So the one that you or gluten. And so those are the markers that you first remove. And then you try all the other foods. And again, within each food category, there are levels of these foods are moderate in lectins, these foods are low in lectins, or these foods probably don't have any. And so even within each sensitivity or diet, there are ranges again. So that's why this tool becomes really powerful. And then even with diabetes, if someone doesn't want to get on a specific diet, I mean, maybe you turn on the don't give me any glucose foods or the glycemic index foods and don't give me any foods with fructose. And there's all your foods without much sugar. And maybe that's the foods they start with. And the way I envision this tool is not long term for you. I mean, Laura, at one at a certain point, you'll know, okay, these veggies work, these fruits don't work, right? So after a point, you don't really need this tool. I envision this for people, practitioners, doctors, hospitals that their patient is not willing to go on a strict diet, but maybe they can, they can fine tune their diet and customize it for every person to have their own specific elimination diet, so that people can adhere to diets and actually finally heal. And so that is really my goal with this. I think, I mean, the majority of people are not going to be, are not going to go strict carnivore, nor do they want to be strict carnivore forever. There's a, I mean, you and I both are huge advocates for the carnivore diet, for healing, for, you know, eliminating 
healing illnesses, eliminating a lot of toxins from your body. Like there is this, I will always be an advocate for people going strict carnivore, but the reality is most people aren't going to do that. And if they do it for a short period of time, most people are not going to stick to it forever. And so how can we get people? This is my mantra the last couple of years, right? It's how do we get people to live long-term healthy lives and not be living on pop tarts and donuts and pizza. And, you know, Imagine, I think the power of giving a practitioner or a doctor or a health coach, the ability to print out a list of here's 40 foods that you can eat and then have these, you know, two times a day with no snacks and like, or three times a day with one snack, whatever that person needs, but they're able to say, this is the list of foods that you're able to have. And most people, when they're first starting out need that information. Um, They need the list of foods that they can have or like, okay, I've healed these things. Now, what can I have next? And like you said, there is no, anybody who's putting out a list of like, here's the top 10 safest foods you can eat is just trying to get you to click on something or read their content because it is, doesn't even exist. Like, I mean, even in carnivore cure, you mentioned some of the safer foods, but you know that that's such an individual thing for people. It's just not really, a universal information. And this is a way for people to get individualized information. Like scientifically, it's not just somebody saying, I'm assuming here's the foods that are probably going to be best for you. Like this is actual scientific information that's individualized for people. And I think that's insane. It's amazing. Thank you. And we have all the citations. We treated this like it's a peer reviewed study or a evidence-based research paper. And so we provided our methodology of how we came up with the data what we did, how we collected the information, our process, our whole scientific method. And then we have uh, most of the the citations and the research papers we use. They There is a bibliography, I guess, of everything. And then we also, uh, on top of that, you know, th- I've been really in creator mode lately. And so I created the Carnivore Cure cheat sheet so that if people don't have resources or they don't want to buy a book because they believe in carnivore and they just need a protocol... I'm going to be offering it for free so that people have these tools that they can use because I really want people to get better. And I don't want the excuse if I don't have money or I don't have the resources, I don't have X, Y, Z, because if I give you the protocol, I hope you can do it. Right. And the food and mood journal is free. And this, it's not that expensive and it's a monthly fee. So you can always try it once. And if you don't like it, you can cancel by the next month. And it's but really- like you said, though, the individual like myself, I might get a subscription for that or like buy one for my mom or buy one for my grandma. My grandma might need a subscription of, to this app and this tool for like a couple of months so she can figure out like what she's going to eat. She's not going to pay for that long term because she's going to figure out what she can eat and then she's going to go back to living her life. It's a month or two for her to like get figured out. But like you said, the, the practitioners, the health coaches, the you know, that people who are working with clients, the people who work in hospitals, hopefully they'll be the ones that continue to use this because they'll be getting that information for lots of different people over time. And then that's yeah, a and tiny fee for them, for, you know, for that. Um, and it's really the goal is to give people individualized care. I really think that I believe in the carnivore diet. I think there's no better diet than that. But the real life is not everyone wants to do carnivore. And if you can tolerate other foods and you notice that there are no symptoms, the desire to do carnivore is even less. And so then let's give them the tools to be able to eat a diet that's right for them, that will give less illness, less inflammation, more gut healing so that people can heal and then live their best lives. Like I I really feel that there's no tool like this out there. You can look up what are the best foods or worst foods for oxalates or lectins or specific sensitivities, but there is no one that encompasses all of it. And so we have worked on this for a very long time. It was not fun to make. I do not like data. I mean, I like data, but this spreadsheet, they were monstrous of looking at data after data after research and I mean, sometimes I was like, why couldn't I just make that spreadsheet and leave it alone? And um, so you guys have to thank Kevin for it's not actually it's not an app. It's a website plus a website for the phone. But maybe in the future, it'll be an app. But and the practitioner side is not built up. But eventually, we want to store documents on it and your clients or patients information so that you know what they've tried and what they haven't so that you help them build the best, most personalized, comprehensive research based elimination and reintroduction diet for them. I think that's exactly what, like you said, you hit the nail on the head when you said like, we just want people to live 
healthy lives. And if you told somebody that they have to do carnivore to do that, a lot of people aren't even going to try in the first place. But if you can give them a list of like, here's a bunch of meats and all these great things, and here's like 20 other foods that you can have as well, then all of a sudden it doesn't seem so daunting to them and they're much more willing to try it. It's not like I'm giving up on everything except for me. I'm just giving up on these specific foods that are causing me harm. And it's just so much more approachable for the average person who's not like bought into carnivore. And let's be honest, like there's a huge percentage of the population that is never going to get past the fact that they think that they need vegetables for nutrients and for their health. They're just not going to get there. And rather than like cut them out, like, okay, fine, then you can just go be unhealthy forever. This is a way of getting them one step closer to that health. You don't have to be hundred percent strict carnivore to be healthy. We just want to cut out a lot of the things that are keeping you unhealthy. Yeah. And I think in a way that some people may end up being carnivore with this and my logic is right. So if you think about it, so let's say somebody's like, I don't know what food sensitivities have. I have, I don't know what an oxalate is or a lectin or a phytate or all the other different things that are listed. But I do know that when I eat almonds and spinach, I feel really sick or I don't feel well after. And as the dietitians or whoever's using this then goes down the list, it's like, oh, well, the foods that you don't like, happen to also be very rich in oxalate. So why don't we just cut out all the oxalate rich foods? And this person will say, well, I don't know what an oxalate is, but sure, let's start with that. And so that means that all the like the dark chocolate and all the paleo friendly foods will be cut out. And maybe that will be the first step of, oh my gosh, I felt better, but I still noticed that actually onions bother me. Well, onions, I, but then remove all the things with onions, right? And then eventually they might end up with carnivore. And that's the part I think is fascinating yes. myself because people will have the eyeballs of, oh, I didn't realize that this food and this food have similar sensitivities that are affecting me because I know that one of them do, but I didn't realize they're similar in terms of the level of toxins. I mean, I probably wouldn't even know. Like, I can't tell you what my specific food <laughs> sensitivities are. I just know if I eat certain foods, like I have major digestive issues, or if I eat other certain foods, I get really swollen and my joints hurt. But like, I can't tell you that's because of oxalates or lectins or whatever. All I just know is like, I can't eat that. And so it's why I just stick to carnivore because it's easier for me. But you know, I think it's, it is, it's very informative of like, these are the other foods that might be causing you issues as well that you didn't even realize. It's just, I'm very excited for people to have access to this. And then hopefully it can also just, like you said, bring people to carnivore, bring people to healing and make understanding food sensitivities or like how much food impacts your health is going to be so much more accessible to the average person now. Yeah, I'm hoping it will uh, really be informative for people. You know, one one fun random fact is a lot of people don't eat brassica vegetables. It's the broccoli, the cauliflower, the kale and all of that because it can have glucosinolates, which is also another anti-nutrient. And the funny thing is, while I was doing this research, I found that honey is very high in glucosinolate. So we never think of these things, Hmm. right? But it's just this random nuance. So maybe somebody that's super sensitive to broccoli, maybe shouldn't be eating the honey because of other than the fructose, there are other same shared anti-nutrients that we don't think of. And not saying that this tool is perfect because, you know, there is a human touch and element to this. And we hope that as more people use it, that it will improve. And we are always open to suggestions, but I think it's a step in the right direction to find customized care for individuals. Yeah. And I mean, after putting all together this like research and spreadsheets and, you know, data Mm -hmm. and scientific information, like no wonder you're back in creator mode because (laughs) you're ready to just like get out of doing all of that analytical stuff. Hey, next thing you know, you'll be ready for another dance with me. (laughs) I still truly, I get comments on that on YouTube, like still to this day. And like, people think we were like, actually really trying, trying. <laughs> you know the crazy thing is like I look like I'm on beat so it looks like I really tried and I'm normal and you're just horrible and it just it makes it so much sadder so the Asian can dance kind of but <laughs> it's like Laura cannot and it's just yeah we uh, should have been more um exaggerative with our with our dance moves but it just shows you though that it is really hard to decipher truth and not truth from the internet and now we have come full circle Perfect. Wham, bam. That was, this was a lot of just life update in this episode. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the cutting against the grain podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>